Welcome to Bleacher Bros, ladies and gentlemen. This is John, your host. You have a very special episode we're bringing to you tonight. It's not only the first rivalry, real true rivalry episode of the season, as the Yankees and Red Sox are finishing out their three-game set as we speak right now, but this is also a John and Joey vehicle. First time, it's just me and Joey. I think this is pretty cool. It's going to be amazing things are going to happen. It was like the first time Method Man and Inspector Deck decide to rap together, and it just... It, you could it was unstoppable from that point on. That's the kind of vibes I'm getting right now. Joey, your thoughts on this? Right off the bat, what are you thinking? You know, these other guys, I mean, what 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 pansies, what losers. You know, the first real rivalry episode, first Red Sox Yankees series, the game's on, and no one else can handle the heat but you and I. I mean, I'm calling out Luke, I'm calling out Pat. Even Derek couldn't show up today. Even Derek couldn't look in the face of John today. And go to battle. Kasim couldn't come. Kasim, again, not ready to defend the New York Yankees. It seems like you and I are the only true fans, John. Is that true? I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with that, Joey. You and me are the best fans out of the bunch. And these guys are all going to be learning and trying to catch up. Um, but we're going to teach them a lesson tonight. And we're going to do that by going right into our first pitch. And I had this whole thing planned tonight, Joey, where when I thought it was going to be four of us on, I was going to go to Joey first because I was going to say, you know, I want to go with Joey because in Joey first because in the Bleacher Brawls hierarchy of podcasting, if we were to make a starting lineup, I really envision Joey as the leadoff hitter of Bleacher Brawls. I think this is the guy that could come out, get it started, set the table for the rest of us, really work a count. We're going to see a lot of pitches from the pitcher. Then he's going to get on base, hitting a ball the other way, going to stealing second, scoring a run. So, um, Joey, I have big hopes from you today. First pitch, what have you been up to? Do we have some Joey's woes? Do we have a Joey's story? What's going on, pal? Well, you know, I'm an OBP guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on base when I can. Anyway, um, very fun weekend. You know, I've been seeing a lot of my friends. Uh, I went to the driving range. You know, I didn't, I haven't played golf in years. You know, I, I used to take golf lessons when I was a little kid. And I was, you know, I wasn't very good. But all of a sudden, the other day, I went and I was had the driver out and I was just kicking it 200 yards. I mean, it was kicking it 200 yards pretty easy, you know, once I started to warm up. So I guess... I guess as all, you know, generic white guys age, they, they become good at golf. So, you know, that must be what it is. It must be a sign I'm getting older. But I've very much enjoyed watching this Red Sox-Yankees series. I've thought the uh, national presentation has been pretty good, right? I usually have a lot of complaints, but I think it's been pretty decent so far. You know, they mic'd up Lou Trevino today. I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, uh, not a crazy, not a crazy weekend or anything, but doing really well. How about you, John? I'm doing good, and I fully agree with the whole golf thing because there's like one or, two, one or two times a year I get to go out and play a golf tournament with my wife's uncle, Alan. You get to take like all morning to yourself, like no kids, no responsibilities, just out in the sun playing golf, and I appreciate it more and more every single year. And now, so full disclosure to me, I do just mention I don't get to go out and play golf very often. I don't get to do a lot very often. I'm, I have a full-time job outside of this. I have three kids, and I not only do I have three kids, I'm a better – I don't know if I should say a better father than Luke, but I'm certainly more of a <laughs> in children's lives. And I like to spend a lot of time with my kids. 
Um, all in all, a lot of times I fall behind on Bleacher Brawl's podcast episodes. So today I was out mowing the lawn, and I'm catching up on some old episodes. And I listened to an episode where it was you, Derek, and Luke. And I think it was just a fantastic episode because I have to listen to these things sooner because uh, you really trashed Kike Hernandez in this episode, which was fantastic. It was from like two weeks ago. And you guys even mentioned that I would love it if I listened to it, and I listened to it late, but I loved it. You backed Luke into a corner on Heim Bloom, where he even had, even Luke had to admit that Heim Bloom maybe hasn't really constructed this roster as well as he could have. And then lastly, um, if no one has suggested it before, depending on what type of paint you use, you might be able to get paint thinner and basically like paint over the paint with paint thinner and wipe it away, and that'll get the paint off the bricks. I don't know if anyone suggested that yet, but that might be the solution to getting your paint off the bricks. Well, no one has suggested that. Uh, I'm going to look into it now because, you know, it's really ugly. They painted over it. It's, uh, you know, I'm... It's a, it's a big issue in this household, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let the people that need to know know, and we're going to get to work on that. But yeah, uh, Luke, since the offseason was uh, praising Kiki Hernandez as the leader, and I know you and him got into it about what is leadership and all of that, and it was a continuing um, topic for you guys where you would fight, and I just had to say, listen... You know, John's not here. John's not here to revel right now in what I'm reveling in, so I want to include him. And that's what it totally is. And I did get him to admit that the roster construction was poor, which, Luke, if you if, if you beat him in enough, if, if, if you show Luke so many facts, if you use too much, if you use so much logic that he has no way of getting out of it, he will, of course, back away, back into the corner and, and, and pivot. He's a big pivoter. And uh, he had to pivot there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And um, I, I do think, well, all in all, like these rosters, I mean, we can get into it. Cause let's start talking about this series because it was an exciting, everybody, Yankees, Red Sox, it's exciting. We're expecting a great series. Even though the teams might not be the best in their divisions at the moment, they're still two really good teams. Again, Red Sox might be in last place right now, but they're in first place if they play in the AL Central. So, um we surprisingly, uh, this has been a pretty low-scoring series so far. Tonight's game is not over, but it's getting late. Uh, Friday night, three to two. Uh, Saturday, three to one, and right now it's two to one. Yes, yeah, still two to one going into the bottom of the seventh. This is not like these two teams. Uh, these two teams usually score a lot of runs on each other. So, I guess as I was looking at it, and kind of my first thought as we kind of looking. I guess we could kind of take game one and game two together. We could go over them on our own if you have any specific points. But both of these teams are dealing with a lot of injuries and ice-cold lineups right now. So as a Red Sox fan coming into this series, um, how do you think just, just – did you have any expectations going into the series or what are your overall thoughts on the first two games, I should say? You know, John, I love you because you're giving me an opportunity to toot my own horn. So on the last episode – we did predictions in the last Red Sox episode, which you guys should go listen to. It was a great episode. We were doing our predictions for the Yankees-Red Sox series. And I was the only one who predicted the Red Sox would win game one, and I predicted the Devers would go off on Garrett Cole. Right? And they were all like, no, no. And, and I, think, I think they all predicted a Yankee sweep. Right? But I was, of course, vindicated when in game one, Devers hit a bomb, I believe, to left center off of Garrett Cole, proving again that Wow, he really has Cole's number. I mean, Cole is psyched out on that. I mean, that is... I haven't seen 
that type of pitcher-hitter relationship since Ortiz back in the day with various Yankees pitchers. I mean, Cole must be shaking in his boots when he comes to pitch against Devers. But yes, that's what I was looking forward to. I was saying, okay, Devers has been really cold, right? Like a lot of people in the Yankees lineup, they're cold. Devers, our best hitter, very cold. OBP under 300, which is a joke. He's his OBP is less than the million is less than his total value in his contract. But anyway, uh, Devers coming in and getting a bomb off Cole, I think, was exactly what he needed to get back on the tr- get back on track and end his cold streak. You know, that's that's one of those things. Those Red Sox Yankees series are special, John, because the momentum, the morale, the spiritual milieu that comes with Red Yankees Red Sox. You know, people will try to pump up the Dodgers uh, Padres rivalries and all of these other uh, itty bitty. Uh, temporary rivalries that occur in sports. But there is nothing like Yankees-Red Sox. And just like we see in this series today, you know, a low-scoring affair, unlike the rest of the season for both of these teams, you see that intensity and passion which go into these series, which make them so unique. And it allows both of these teams, if they get a good leg up on this series, to go forth with a real uh, wave behind them, a real power. Yeah, absolutely, because this is the rivalry in all of baseball. Nothing compares to it. I don't care what any other team thinks. Like, what are the Cardinals and the Cubs? That's not like that does, It doesn't compare. Dodgers and Giants, it doesn't compare now. It didn't compare back when they were in you know, Brooklyn and New York. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, I guess more than a couple of years ago now, when I first met my wife and I met you know a bunch of her friends and her friend's husband was just talking about some kind of rivalry between the Houston Astros and the St. Louis Cardinals going back to when Houston was in the National League. I'm like, is this a serious conversation right now? Like, I can't even, I, I can I will never look at you like you're someone that understands baseball because you didn't bend the knee to the most, the best rivalry in all of sports, if not in all of history. Um, but, but all in all, I am a little, um, you know, again, close series, close games, there's a few takeaways, though. I mean, the outfield the Yankees are putting out there right now is just, um, it's weak. You know, you got Billy McKinney, you got Jake Bowers, you got Willie Calhoun. Um, it's just, there's a reason why the Yankees aren't scoring a lot of runs. And Anthony Rizzo, who I love, uh, and who has done really, really well this season, has just gone ice cold and can't buy a hitter right now. Um, and, um, and then lastly on that one uh, was... Um, Oh, yeah, DJ LeMahieu, another guy. just He's gone cold. Maybe he's hurt, which I, he seems like the type of guy that's been dealing with a lot of injuries the past couple of years. Maybe he's hurt and he's just trying to fight through it because he doesn't want to have to go with that again. And the one guy in the Yankees, the one guy, because this is why I was really was actually looking forward to talking to Kassim tonight. Hopefully we get to talk about this on Tuesday in the Yankees uh, recording. <clears throat> there is one person, one fan, that has actually defended Josh Donaldson. Like, Three people total, Brian Cashman, Aaron Boone, and Kassam are the only three people I've ever heard defend Josh Donaldson. And Josh Donaldson has come out these past couple weeks, this series especially, and just absolutely crushed it. So um, I really got to give it up to Kassam. He's the only guy that ever had any faith in Josh Donaldson, and for once, that's finally coming through. And, Joey, I know all offseason you and Kassam were recording together. I mean, you heard him say he's the only guy that still defended Josh Donaldson. Well, you know who else I heard him defend? 
you know, an ex-Yankee now, Gary Sanchez. And Gary Sanchez has now hit five home runs in uh, five games. He's on an unbelievable tear. And Kasim, we used to ride Kasim about defending Gary Sanchez all the time. We would joke about it. Oh, pick up Gary Sanchez, you know. And he was like, no, I like him. He's a good hitter. The Yankees should bring him back. Proven right, man. For what it's worth, Gary Sanchez is still sitting on the waiver wire in our fantasy league. Kasim has not cleaned him yet. Like, I don't, I just don't have that faith. I think it's a Gary Sanchez hot streak. And if I pick him up today, the cold streak starts tomorrow. Kasim, it's, you got to put your money where your mouth is. Pick up Gary Sanchez in fantasy baseball. Make him your catcher. Um. One thing I noticed this season, and I really, because you mentioned we talked about Bloom's roster construction, and I think he it reminds me so much of the Yankees, the way once they kind of hit their cold stretch following the end of, like, that 2003, you know, really 2000, 2003, 2004 era, when they kind of really kind of nosedive and stop being a dynastic team. Uh, the Yankees devalued starting pitching, and they devalued just overall defense. And I see that with the Red Sox. I think we've talked about them kind of, it seems like they're devaluing starting pitching. But one thing I've noticed this weekend, it's just this is not as fundamentally sound, as defensively sound a team that I'm used to. Over Joey, over your entire lifetime, the Red Sox have been one of the best fielding teams in baseball. That, that was not the case until that like 2003, 2004 era. The Red Sox always just relied on bats and their defense, they were never known for their defense. From that era on until... Pretty much this season, I've always thought the Red Sox to be one of the best defensive teams in baseball, and it doesn't look like that's still the case. Now, is it just this series, or is this actually a problem that you've seen throughout the season? Oh, this is a massive problem, John. The Red Sox statistically are the worst defense in baseball this season. Kiki Hernandez is the worst shortstop in baseball. Um, Valdez, who has now been sent to AAA, was one of the worst uh, second basemen in baseball. Uh, Devers, I mean, that whole infield was pathetic except for Cassis, right, who was pathetic when he's at bat. So, you know, um, the Red Sox, totally horrible infield. Uh, Yoshida is an okay left fielder. He's not remarkable. Verdugo has played very well, and Durant has greatly come up in center field. But having two quality or maybe three quality fielders on that whole diamond is pretty embarrassing for a Red Sox team that's spending hundreds of millions of dollars on their product. And I, I know we like to look into the advanced analytics and the statistics. Well, I don't like to do it, but certain people like to do it. And one of those things they, they stop looking at is defense and fundamentals. They stop looking at that. I think the Red Sox are a great example of when you get too deep into analytics, what you lose. And that's what you lose the fundamentals of baseball. You lose that overall soundness the Red Sox are basically the MLB equivalent to a Little League team, right? I mean, that's that's what's going on in the field. A lot of Little League-type errors in baseball. Kiki Hernandez, multiple errors in multiple games. I mean, it's it's really sad. And these are things that shouldn't be happening on a well-trained, uh, good team. And I, I don't know if Boone's in the hot seat in, in, in New York, but Cora is certainly in the hot seat in Boston because ultimately, fundamentals... You know, Heim Bloom, I'll blame him for a lot of things. He's not out there on the field training these guys. He's not an ex-ball player. He's not in charge of their training regiments and whether they're taking ground balls. He doesn't do that. That's Alex Cora and his coaching staff. And when such a thing, when a thing that's so influenced by the coaching, which is defensive positioning, number one, and number two, just practice and, and being good at defense, 
are both on the skids, well, then you have to look at Alex Cora. And what I wonder is also if the rules this year changing, the, the shifting rules being altered has exposed the flaws in the Red Sox defense, has exposed them worse. And I, I don't know if you've seen that on the Yankees at all, but I think the changing of the rules, the getting rid of the shift, has really exposed a lot of guys in the field like Devers who were getting along because of the defensive outlines that were drawn to his strengths, whereas now you can't get away with it as much anymore, and it's, it's just looking really weak. That's a good point, actually. I have not seen that as much with the Yankees, but that is a really good point and something I'm going to start looking for more often because, that, yeah, you can easily be exposed like that. And that is the kind of thing that drove me crazy for the Yankees for so long. And I don't want to say, too, I just I said something and I don't want to get thrown back. The Red Sox always did have very good defensive players. It's just they weren't known all around as a great defensive team. Like Dwight Evans, one of the best fielding right fielders of his time, um, you know, Buck, ironically, Bill Buckner, and it was a great fielder. Um, I mean, I remember my friends. You're bringing uh, up Bill Buckner on the, on the, on the pod. You had to oh, throw that. Well, in. yeah, sorry. sorry. And, and he's, the point's mute now. I mean, it what's Bill, Bill Buckner doesn't count anymore. But, uh, the other one I remember growing up, um, my friend's uncle was a huge Marty Barrett fan. Like loved Marty Barrett. And I remember him being like a really good fielder with, uh, Spike Owen being a decent shortstop up the middle. But I'm just saying, all in all, we're always known as a defensive team until, like, the past 20 years. Yeah, well, Boggs was a, was a gold-glove fielder. I mean, you had, a, you had a lot of good—I mean, Fisk was a good fielder. But, you know, in 2004, you saw a philosophical change on the team. Whereas, I mean, they trade—I mean, on paper— I mean, can you imagine if the Nomar trade took place today? I mean, there would be uh, buildings burning down, right, on Twitter and all of that. I mean, you you kidding me? I mean, uh, there would be people calling for uh, Heimblum's heads if he had made a, a head if he made a trade like that. And, and certainly, if that season didn't work out, I'm sure Epstein would have looked very bad after that move. But what was that? That was Nomar, who was a you know still a very good hitter then, being traded for like Orlando Cabrera, uh, Mankovic, and another guy who I don't remember, to plug the holes in the infield. Right, because they were looking at this team defensively, saying this team, you know, a defense wins championships. This team can't go far if we have Nomar at shortstop. Right, and that's the thing right now with the Yankees. Harrison Bader has not proven his ability to stay healthy, and when when he is off the field, man, you see what a difference it is. Because I mean, as good as Aaron Judge is in center field, he, Aaron Judge can man a good, se- a good center field and he can get by. You don't want him out there every day. I'd rather Aaron Judge be in right field or DHing on occasion. So when you take Harrison Bader out of center field and you just kind of look at the outfield that the Yankees tried out this series, like it's, I don't know how. Like these teams are so bad right now that the fact that the Yankees have such a pathetically defensive outfield out there and the Red Sox didn't take advantage of it and the same goes the other way the Yankees the Red Sox are fielding out a pretty weak defensive team and the Yankees aren't taking advantage of it these lineups just this was a tough series to watch and to stomach all around in my opinion because I'm used to, like, and I enjoy like low scoring games pitching duels like I can enjoy a pitching duel this wasn't really a pitching duel as more of like just an offensive failure it felt like yeah, it wasn't a. It hasn't really been as much the pitchers outdoing the batters as the batters not being able to get hits. You know, I mean, the batters are really the ones that are slumping here. I mean, these are two teams that have been very iffy this season. They're they're kind of. I mean, at least it's good. 
uh, at least content-wise, that the teams are both kind of in the same uh, sphere right now, which are middling, borderline bubble teams. But, you know, from a, a rivalry that has been um, so world-class and been filled with so many great athletes, I look at both these teams, especially with it, without judging the lineup, and I go, like, who are these, who are, like, the legends on these rosters? You know, I mean, DJ LeMahieu, for example, I was watching him today. God, I mean, he looks like such a shell of his former self. He's hitting in the two. What is he in the two thirties? I mean, that guy was a batting title threat every year for a few seasons. I mean, he is an he was an excellent hitter, a professional, a guy I used to look at, and I, I'm sure you did this a lot too, John. Was you would watch the Red Sox and I'd watch the Yankees and I go, wow, I really like you know he's on the Yankees, but I'd really like him on my team. DJ LeMahieu was always that guy for me. My you know my favorite type of hitter. Uh, uh, a bat to ball guy, a guy that gets a lot of hits, gets on gets on base a lot, high average, you know, nothing funny, and he is just totally falling apart, and he doesn't look the same, and I, frankly, neither do these teams. These teams just don't look the same anymore. So, ironically, one of the guys re- in recent years, because you're right, there's always every now and then that player you're like, I wish you were on the Yankees. Recently, I just wanted to say in 2021, I looked at Hunter Renfro and like, dang, I wish he was on the Yankees. Yeah, Luke would have given him to you for free. Luke, if Luke was the GM, he would have given you Hunter Renfro for a bag of peanuts and then bragged about how he how he got one over on you. Yeah, you traded you got Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley, so the Yankees could have traded like you know Gary Sanchez and got Hunter Renfro. I would have took it, but yeah, I mean, um, just all in all, man, it was not the most exciting series, and it looks like. Getting close to this. I mean, tonight's game, it's again, it's still a one-run game going to the top of the eighth. Like, who knows what will happen. But, but look, um, look, look, literally, as you're saying this, not to interrupt you, the Red Sox are trying to bunt. Red Sox-Yankee baseball were bunting in the eighth inning. I mean, you, are, you, are you kidding me? I mean, you have the re- perfect example of these two teams right now is you have Pablo Reyes, who's a scrap heap guy who's getting DFA'd probably tomorrow, threatening to bunt when a, with a man on first and second. That's that is what these teams are doing now, and it's just it's miserable. It's miserable to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's just to have to resort to small ball with these lineups, and like that's the thing too, because like we there are a lot of injuries. I never want to point to injuries, but both of our lineups are missing some key pieces right now, and I mean, but I don't even know how many of them. I guess we're playing again next week. I don't really think Aaron Judge will be back by next week. The Yankees punted tonight. Speaking of another thing, the Yankees punted tonight and. John Carlos Stanton, who's just a DH, he's not playing in the field, is getting a night off. So I guess he needed a night off from DH. He's not getting on base. He's just walking to the plate, making it out, and walking back to the dugout. Like, what does this guy need a rest for? So um, that was one thing that was driving me crazy about tonight, too. It's like, it, it does this series even mean anything? It should. I, I, I don't know. Um, Aaron Boone's not on the hot seat, but sometimes I think he should be. Well, yeah, I mean, Stan takes a day off every day he goes 0 for 4, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But, yeah, these two teams, I mean, this is a series that matters as far as I'm concerned. We're kind of both fighting for that third wild card spot. Um, I don't know, are the Yankees in the third wild card spot right now? As of right now, yeah, I think they are in the third wild card spot. They're in third place in the division, so I would assume that means third place in the wild card. I know the Angels, I know last time I looked it was the Angels. Oh, second place, they're head of the Astros. Yeah, okay, so, okay, so yeah, uh, Red Sox are obviously a few teams back from that, but still in the wild card hunt. I mean, they're, they're not teams that, they're both teams that are um, competing for wild card spots. But it, again, yeah, you're right. Why would you sit Stanton for the Red Sox series? If, 
first of all, judges out, judges out and you're sitting standing against the Red Sox, that's crazy to me. That is absolutely nuts to me. You're sitting your DH, who's supposed to be your power hitter, who's your number two guy, and your number one guy when Judge isn't there, and you're sitting him against the Red Sox? It doesn't make sense because, again, this is, these are division games, and we're playing less games within the division, and you have to win because these are all really good teams. It's just because you're like three or four games ahead of the Red Sox right now, the Red Sox can pick that up at any moment. So this is if you can get a game on the Red Sox, why aren't you trying to do that? So I just don't understand why you would sit Giancarlo Stane even if he's slumping, one of these days he's going to come out of that slump, and maybe tonight's the night. So it's just, to me, it doesn't make sense why you are sitting Giancarlo Stanton when you have a chance to pick up a game on the Red Sox because every game matters in this division. These teams are just too good. And um, actually, yeah, the Yankees have an off day. I'm just checking this, too. So not only are they sitting Giancarlo Stanton tonight, the Yankees have an off day tomorrow, so they're giving the guy two days off, basically. Like, it just... This team puzzles and befuddles me sometimes with the decisions they make. I watch the Red Sox make a sacrifice bunt. So how do you how do you think I feel watching the Red Sox make sacrifice bunts? I mean, it's 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 pretty depressing. Um, you know, this season is a. I mean, I I wonder for the Yankees. You know, I, I kind of see the vision for the Red Sox. I'm not saying I'm on board with the vision, quote unquote, as you know, but. I, I really don't see where are the Yankees as a team. Do you think in 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 the long term of things are they are they all in to win this year? Do you think they're waiting for next year? Do you think the window is opening or closing? Because when I look at this team, I, I I don't know. It's tough. It's tough for me to get like a handle on the Yankees. You know they they're they're so good consistently. They've been you know at least okay pretty much for the last ten years with a few exceptions. But I, I look at them and I'm like, you know, this isn't the A team. I mean, this isn't like them at their best. This isn't them at their 100-win season. So, you know, what are we seeing on the diamond? To me, the Yankees just, if I were grading them, they're like a B-plus to an A-minus. To an and, like, that's it. Like, the B-plus is their floor and the A-minus is their ceiling. Like, I don't think they're going to – I don't – I just don't see – I don't even think they're as good as they were last year. Um – and I think the Yankees at the top, like say from Brian Cashman's perspective, from Aaron Boone's perspective, their whole thinking is, well, you haven't seen us whole yet. You haven't seen Carlos Rodon pitch. Well, I, shoot, I don't know if Carlos Rodon is going to pitch. You know, just Stanton and Judge really haven't been healthy at the same time. Well, are they ever really healthy at the same time? Are they ever really um, healthy, period? Yeah. Right, exactly. So, like, this is the problem. I think the Yankees... I think from Brian Cashman's perspective, like he looks at this as a championship team. For me, I don't. I don't think this is a team that's better than the Houston Astros. I definitely, right now, anyway, I mean, it's a long season. I don't know how it's all going to play out, but right now it sure as heck doesn't look like the Yankees are even as close to as good as Tampa Bay. So you have at least two teams in the AL that are better than you. Um, and right now Baltimore has a better record, and I think just took, recently took two or three so, from the Yankees. So um, I don't think they're winning a World Series this year, and there's just every year that we say that again, there's just going to be more and more pressure on them. So maybe they're looking towards next year. I, I don't know what it is, but to me, this is not – like I said, this is the, in a best-case scenario – probably the second best team in the AL realistically the third and in a worth you know their floor is probably the fourth or fifth best team so they'll make the playoffs but I don't I think once again they're not making any noise 
Yeah, and it's crunch time because you look at it and judge, you know, he's, uh, what is it, 31 now? And Stan's getting up there in age. You just signed them, you know, they're both on big contracts. You've got Cole on his big contract. I mean, this is go time for you guys because in a couple years, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you as a Yankees fan hope this doesn't happen, but I don't think Stanton's going to age very well. I think we know that. And Judge is going to be getting older. His production is going to be going down. And, and Cole's the same thing. So, you know, in these seasons, you really want to see them putting the chips in, right? And I remember you at the beginning of the season were like, you know, the Yankees really need another outfielder. You know, you wanted Brian Reynolds. And I thought, wow, that would be such a perfect piece for the Yankees is Brian Reynolds. He's such, I, I can see him as a Yankee. I can see him in the pinstripes. I really can when I think about him. And he's a switch hitter. I mean, he seems like he'd perfectly fit into that lineup. And they didn't push the chips in to get him. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, you have these guys who are all in their 30s. You have this team with a huge budget. And you couldn't, you know, you're putting out kind of a Mickey Mouse outfield. You know, your outfield, it's not a top-tier outfield. No, exactly. And that's that's exactly it. The back end of a lot of these contracts are going to look bad. So your window is now. If you're going to go in, just go all in and... Again, anybody that's listening to this podcast knows this is a topic of debate amongst a lot of us is um, just going all in. The Red Sox went all in with the Dombrowski, and they won a World Series. Like, okay, you might have mortgaged a couple years, but you did win that World Series. That's what I want. So if you have to go all in, if you have to mortgage your future a little bit, just do it. And honestly, you're the Yankees, so usually when you mortgage your future, a lot of times you can still figure it out down the road. Um, it, It... it's you really have to make the best now while these guys on these long-term contracts are as young and as healthy as they're going to be. And for whatever reason, it seems like the Yankees, like they're half in and they're half out. So they have all these guys on big contracts that you're where the windows now, but at the same time, they also want to try to act like they're the smartest people in the room and play that like small market, like baseball games with other parts of your roster. And like, oh, look, we can be smarter than Tampa Bay. Like, well, you're the Yankees. You don't have to be smarter. Like, just go in there, kick the doors down and put together the best roster you can because you have the ability to do that. And stop trying to outsmart yourselves. And I think that's what's really holding this team back is the fact that, like, just go out there and be the Yankees. Be who you are. Stop trying to like. Stop trying to act like you're Tampa Bay or some small market team, or prove that you can win a different way. Like I don't know. I think they just should go all in, and even if it's the Dombrowski method from a couple of years ago, I'm 100 percent okay with that. Yeah, I mean baseball has so many, and this is this was a, is done not to get me attacking people that aren't on this podcast right now. But what <laughs> no, bothers me, so- let's do it. What bothers me so much about Derek's outlook and Luke's outlook is they think of baseball like math. They think of baseball like it's a science where you put X and you get B, right? But it's not like that. If you spend $300 million now, that doesn't mean that in five years your team's going to be bad. It doesn't mean that because players change. Guys slump. Guys fall out of the league. Guys come out of nowhere. Prospects develop out of nowhere. Some prospects don't pan out at all. You know, these guys... They treat it like a video game, whereas they think, okay, if we get, you know, 30 prospects above this certain rating, then in three years, you know, we will be good because they'll all be on the team. And you and I both know, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm obviously a lot long, younger than you, but we've both been watching baseball all our lives. 
How many absolute joke prospects have we seen come up and fail? You know, you're watching Anthony Volpe right now, and you hope he works out, but he's hitting right around the Mendoza line, if I'm if I'm correct, and he hasn't looked good all season. And I've been watching Tristan Cassis, who's below the Mendoza line, who lead you know was touted as this Herculean genius at the plate who would never strike out, and he he uh, chokes up on the bat when there's two strikes, and he doesn't strike out. He, well, he's leading the team in strikeouts. Okay, so. These were our two top prospects, and we're both watching them absolutely boot it. We're both watching them not only underperform, perform to the level where they're pretty much going to get sent back down to AAA if this continues for much longer, right? And I think that goes to show that, okay, you have this approach. I I understand. You want to do sustainability. You want to amalgamate all these prospects. That's fine, right? But because you spend now doesn't mean your team can't be good in the future because the Yankees have done it. The Yankees spent, you know, the Yankees have spent almost every year for the last 20 years and they've put together a lot of great baseball teams. They haven't had really big lulls, okay? The Red Sox have had a couple, but they haven't been very long. And also, we've watched we've watched a lot of teams be bad for 20 years. The Pirates, the Pirates are just now having a good season. The the uh, Arizona Arizona Cardinals are Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona Diamondbacks are right now having their first okay season and we're only, you know, it's only June. They've both both those teams have been bad for pretty much my entire lifetime. And, you know, they a lot of they had a lot of first round draft picks, man. They had a lot of first round draft picks. It doesn't matter. You know, it's nice, it helps, but that doesn't make or win, you know, that doesn't make or break the game. Do the Pirates I am 40, and the Pirates have been awful for, like, 75% of my lifetime. Like, that's how bad that that franchise is. And that's what drives me crazy, and that's why I see the comparisons. I make the comparisons between Brian Cashman and Hein Bloom. Because Brian Cashman, yes, he wants to develop his own prospects, but he's horrible at it. He wants to trade for prospects. Like, okay, like, I'll trade this. You know, he's not to say he's ever really – like, had a fire sale at the trade deadlines. But a couple years ago, when the Yankees were out of it, he did trade off a few players. It's like, I'm going to bring in all these players. Well, you miscalculated on those. And I see Heim Bloom doing the same thing where like, he – I kind of think in a lot of ways he – I don't want to say he bombed the Mookie Betts trade, but it was pretty bad because the centerpiece of that deal was a prospect that he whiffed on, you know. Um, Heim Bloom's whiffed on a couple other prospects, and that's where I see – the comparison between Brian Cashman and Hein Bloom, I think both of these guys are terrible at developing their own prospects. And if you can't develop your own prospects, well, then you have to figure something else out. And that means spend money. That means trade for proven players. Um, don't you, you know, you can try to take the Tampa Bay Devil Rays approach, but in doing that, you, if you're not spot on and you're getting it right like 90% of the time, you're in a lot of trouble. And that's what both of these teams do wrong. Like both of these teams right now are trying to take the Tampa Bay Devil Rays approach, but they're not hitting at the success rate that the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, are hitting at. Instead, they're hitting at much lower success rates. Like, you talk recent prospects for the Yankees that have flamed out. A couple of years ago, the Yankees, everyone thought Clint Frazier was going to be Oh, star. yeah. You know, Miguel Andujar, the Yankees ruined Andujar. I think he would have been a pretty decent hitter, but they went out of their way to ruin that guy. Greg Bird was supposed to be this, like, Left-handed hitter was just a great stroke for Yankee Stadium. It was nothing. We all know what happened to Gary Sanchez. Glaber Torres, the jury's still out, but it's not looking good. So out of all those guys, you know, Yankees had 
like seven or eight guys who you thought were going to be the future of the Yankees, and Aaron Judge is the only one that's actually lived up to his potential, or even in Aaron Judge's case, surpassed it. So that's what if that's what your approach is to developing prospects, like yeah, like you got to figure something out else out, and you're going to have to spend money or bring in proven players. Yeah, and spend money on the right guys. No, you and I aren't experts. No, I I, I can pretty much convince myself that I was GM of the Red Sox, we'd win. Right, and I may, maybe you could convince yourself of that of the Yankees, but we're not we're not professionals. We don't look at the stats all day, so I you know I find it interesting when people go, oh well they you know they did this, but you don't know you don't watch the game. It's like these guys make moves all the time that you can go that was a bad move instantly. Like when uh, we traded Red Sox traded Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. Every Red Sox fan with a brain, so excluding Luke, looked at that trade and said, oh my God, what are they doing, right? And and the the GMs often try to be too smart for themselves. So recently, uh, Alex Cora talked about how uh, Adalberto Mondesi, do you know this guy? He used to play at Kansas yeah. City. Shortstop. Fast little guy, injury prone his entire career. I don't think he's ever played more than 100 games. But fast little speedy guy. Red Sox traded left-hander Josh Taylor to them. And, you know, I saw it was announced that Cora said, basically, Mondesi hasn't made any progress this season. He hasn't recovered at all. He's not going to play, basically. And I see these Red Sox fans going, oh, well, Josh Taylor isn't that good at this season anyway, and it doesn't matter, and, you know, okay, we both lost the trade. No, no. Heim Bloom was trying to be too smart by going, hey, I'm going to trade for this injury-prone guy with a left-handed bullpen arm. I'm going to trade for the injury-prone guy, and I'm going to look like such a genius when he gets on this team and performs well. Right? They always love to go to the scrap heap because the scrap heap is what makes you look like a genius. You know, guys like Dave Dombrowski, they get absolutely crapped on by people like Luke and Derek for just signing great players. Because in their head, anyone can sign great players, even though the Padres have shown that you can't just sign great players. They gave Judge more money than the Yankees did. He went to the New York Yankees. They had to overpay for Bogarts. You know, it doesn't just work like that. You have to convince a guy to come. You have to give him options, right? So it's, of course, a lot more than that. But these guys, these simpletons, they go, oh, it's easy to just sign great players. The real thing is is if you can develop bad ones into being good players. Well, okay. Well, Dave Dombrowski put together a lot of great teams, a lot of GMs that spend. Look at Texas. The, the Rangers are basically built off of free agency, right? Now, DeGrom went down. That one didn't work out. But they're one of the best teams in baseball, and they've come out of nowhere. And that was all built out through free agency and signing good players. So just because the GM wants to go and prove how much of a genius he is by going to sign some scrub or a guy that's never fully panned out doesn't mean that he's more intelligent than the GM that goes and goes and gets those A-tier, B-tier players who, are, who should be on the diamond every day. Because you know who's the smarter guy? The smarter guy is the guy that wins. So that's great. If one out of every 10 Heimblum scrap heap picks works out, that's great. But... What matters at the end of the day is at the end of the day is winning, and whatever GM can do that better is the better GM. Yeah, absolutely, because you know Brian Cashman inherited those '90s, the late '90s teams that he was the general manager of. Really, Brian Cashman has one World Series under his belt. Heimblum has zero. Dave Dombrowski has been has won two World Series and been to two others. So, um, to me, that's a guy. I his method clearly works. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Rangers. That's a great example of a team that they 
built what they had. They, you know, I think there's a couple guys that were like homegrown players, a couple guys they might have like brought in over the years, and then when they realized they had a good team, like they went out and the positions of need, they went out and filled in free agency this year, and nobody, absolutely nobody, people thought, okay, well maybe they'll be a better team. Nobody thought that as of June 11th, they would be in first place ahead of the Houston Astros. Nobody thought that. So clearly the Texas Rangers were doing something right this season. And, again, these are Yankees and Red Sox are two organizations that should be taking note. Like, just you have the money, stop trying to be the small market team. Because, as we've seen over this series, um, this was some pretty pathetic baseball from teams we're not really used to seeing pathetic baseball from. John, are you, are you at all into poker? Are you at all a poker fan as it's the top of the ninth inning? Uh, no, no, I'm not a poker uh, player at all. Have you ever heard of the concept of playing tight and playing loose, playing aggressive? The concept is in poker. If you're at a table with eight other players and they're all playing aggressive, you play tight. You know, you don't put in as much money. You're, you, you, don't, you don't get involved as, as many, as, in as many hands. You, you, you keep your powder dry. You wait till you have really good cards, and then you get in. And the other, and then obviously the the alternate to that is when you're playing with a lot of tight players who don't like to play a lot of hands and don't spend a lot of money, then you play aggressive and you get them. And that's what's and that's what we're seeing in baseball today is so many GMs, so many franchises are doing the Moneyball, Tampa Bay Rays, Oakland A's model that a team like the Rangers who goes, okay, everyone else is doing this. So we're not going to be better than the other 20 teams trying to do this. So we're going to go try this method, the aggressive method, the free agency method, which used to be popular 20 years ago, right, 15 years ago, was, was the normal thing to do, but now has gone out of style like so many of my favorite fashion brands. So they went and they go, okay, let's sign these guys. Let's do the old method. And you're seeing how successful it is because no other teams really are trying to do the same thing the Rangers are doing. I mean, the Dodgers hand out big deals. The Padres hand out big deals. But other than a handful of teams, maybe five, that are capable of being able to spend that much, that's about it. All the rest are all doing the scrap heap game. And the sad thing is, John, is that we have a choice. The A's don't have a choice. The Rays don't have a choice. The Royals don't have a choice. Most of these teams don't have a choice. They can never spend more than $100 million in a season. Right, the Red Sox and the Yankees are capable of blowing through a quarter of a billion dollars in one season, and they choose not to. So when you see this team lose, remember it's always a conscious decision. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is the place to end it because Joey, you just absolutely nailed it. Uh, I don't even know where to go from there. Um. Shoot, brother, do you have anything else, or do you want to end it on that? Because that was um, a closing statement, if I've ever heard one. Uh, we can end it on that. Uh, I'm just watching that. I'm distracted by the game now. Anyway, it's two <laughs> tie, tie game, top of the ninth. Devers just got a single. I'm very excited now. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be able to keep going on. I'm going to be shifting my attention. Yeah, I'm trying to follow on again because I'm blacked out here in Texas because I'm a, I cut the cord. I don't have cable, so I don't get to watch it. So I'm just following it online right now. Um, I did get to watch Thursday, I mean Friday and Saturday's game, but right now I'm just following on the game cast and probably watch the condensed game tomorrow. But shoot, um, like Joey said, they, these are two teams that need to just embrace who they are. You know, you are the Yankees, you are the Red Sox. 
go out there and be the big bad monsters that we've seen you be in the past. Like, I don't know why over the past five or six years these teams decided that they want to be the new Tampa Bay Rays, and they are not the Tampa Bay Rays. You are the Yankees and Red Sox. Go be that. Go be the top two teams in these in your in the AL. Uh, in just the AL, you know, not even the AL East. Just go out there and be the two, top two teams in the AL. Go out there and be the top two teams in baseball. Um, we've had a great night, a good talk. Um, I think we've touched on a lot of things. We've taken our shots at everybody, and all you guys deserved it. I had a fun time tonight. I'm sure we'll take a few more. Luke, who booked, uh, who's still just ducking us from all his big talk the past couple weeks. Hiding. Hiding, yeah. This guy, just he completely puts together an Alaskan cruise vacation in just days to get away from having to answer for himself. So, John, do you really believe that story? Do you really believe that story? I mean, who vacations in Alaska? (laughs) Sounds like a made-up story to me. Yeah, exactly. I should go take a ride up to his house, and you'll see him, like, hanging out, watching TV, watching this game right now, like, just hiding from us. Um... Shoot, I feel like I had one more shot to take at him for uh, from the episode that I listened to y'all. Celtics thing? Oh, yeah, the, well, the Celtics thing, yeah. I mean, that was all on him. Like, he never should open his mouth and started comparing the Celtics to the 2004 Red Sox. Like, come on, man. Um, you did that to yourself. You did that to the city of Boston. And from the one Red Sox game that I went to with, with Luke at Fenway, um, I'd just like to put out there that – in my experience, everybody at Fenway hates Luke. So, um, <laughs> we, we can talk about that a little bit more another day. So, um, here again, I am John. This is Joey. We're waiting on the resolution of this Yankees game. And, um, and that's it. So, thanks for listening. And, um, we'll talk. We'll All right, folks. That's the latest episode of Bleacher Brawls. Thanks for tuning in. For rating us five stars and leaving us a nice review. And don't forget to check us out on bleacherbrawls.com, on YouTube, and on Twitter.